So does that video make anybody else want to dance? No. Just me? Okay. All right. Uh, I won't, but I just wondered. Hey, welcome to First Church. So glad you guys are here. If you're new, my name's Chad, and we are so glad that you decided to carve out some time and be with us today for worship. In addition to all you guys here in person, we have tons of people worshiping with us online right now. So if you would put your hands together, welcome in our online community. I was told we've got some first-time guests worshiping with us online, so welcome. We're so glad you, you guys are joining us today. And if you are new here to First Church, every summer the elders graciously give me some time for preparation and prayer and to reflect and to study and to plan for the future. So we've been looking at 2022, and I just want to let you know God is gearing us up to do some really fun and incredible stuff this fall and in 2022, and I can't wait to share some of that with you, which we will in the upcoming days, but thank you so much for this time that I get to reflect and plan. I appreciate uh, you guys praying for me during this time, and also this is a great opportunity for us to bring in some guest speakers, and that's why I'm excited today, because we have with us Dr. Jeff Snell, and Jeff Snell, he was an interim minister for us for about a year or so, about 20 years ago now, and he's with us again today. At that time, when he was with us before, he was a professor at Ozark Christian College, uh, but now he serves at Johnson University, where I went to school, so you know it's a good school. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, he's now at Johnson University, and we are so glad to have him here with us. There's a Johnson table set up in the lobby. You can go and see him after service if you want to, or uh, you can also just find out more about the school as well, uh, but we are excited to have Jeff. I also knew Jeff from my doctoral studies when I was at Lincoln Christian University. Uh, he was one of my professors there, and also he was one of my advisors when I did my, did my research. So we go way back, and he is an incredible speaker and an incredible man of God. And so if you would, put your hands together and welcome Jeff Snell today. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, good morning, First Church. How's everybody doing this morning? It is so good to see those of you whom I remember, and those of you who are around that I don't happen to remember. 20, 20 plus years, where, where has the time gone? Where has the time gone? I'm a middle-aged man. The 20 years have gone to right here. That's where the 20 years have gone. Uh, it may not seem that way, but the truth of the matter is, I do know a thing or two about carrying weight that God never created or designed me to carry. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Because even before the biggest loser hit our television screens. Even before Christian leaders like John Bunyan were describing Christian pilgrims as people who were carrying overloaded backpacks that desperately needed to be cut free. Even before them, there was a man who had a rather godly grandmother. 
and who was raised and placed into a family of faith. And through an unpredictable set of circumstances, he became king, not only over a group of people, but over God's people. And even he learned that it's a bad, bad thing to be carrying weight your Creator never intended you to carry. And that's especially true when the weight you are carrying is spiritual weight. We're going to talk about that this morning. But first, I'd like to talk about how great Chad Broadus is. Isn't he a good guy? I really do. I genuinely enjoy and appreciate uh, the, the staff camaraderie and the sense of community that you folks here uh, have here. I've had the privilege, actually, of teaching several folks who are staff members here. And I can't tell you what a joy it is as a professor in the area of ministry studies to see students go out and do well, and to do well together in a place that you once tried to help through a time of transition. It is really a joy for me to be here. And I'm genuinely grateful for the opportunity. Not just because I love preaching, but because I love this church and I love the ministry that is happening here. And it just gives me such joy to see the good things you are doing. I said in first service, if God moved me from the deanship of Johnson University to a clerkship at TJ Maxx, you know, just down the road, man, I'd, I'd be showing up here. I'd be showing up here to sit where you're sitting because I really, really like what is, what is happening here. And I'm genuinely grateful that you are a part of it. And for those of you who are online this morning, if you've never had an opportunity to come around this group of people, this isn't a paid infomercial. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is just a guy that is sincerely grateful for what God is doing in this place. And if you've never had an opportunity to engage the folks that form this community. Um, the, boy, the convenience of, of being behind a screen is wonderful. I, I love it. I love it myself. But please don't allow that to keep you from being introduced to and engaging the fine group of folks that are here and the good work that God is doing here. God's so big, he can work through the internet. I'm sure grateful he can and that he is. But I hope at some point you'll have an opportunity to meet these, these fine folks. And Chad's one of them, but boy, he's irritating sometimes. Because last night we went out to eat, and, he, and I know what I'm going to be preaching about. So we go out to eat, and I don't really want to name the place because I don't want to name favorites, you know, in case any of you own a restaurant. And I don't want to really name favorites, but we went out to eat last night, at a place that is just off of Old Main Street and 76th Street. And it rhymes with broke, because that's what I would have been if I'd have been picking up the bill. 
So we go to this place to eat, and it's a place that rhymes with broke. And it has in its title, Woodfire Grill. So here we are at a place that rhymes with broke. And I'm looking over the menu, pondering almost just spiritual glories that await. And so I do the responsible thing. Here I am. I'm, you know, I'm a guest in town. I've, I've never been to this place before. And uh, so, I, so I just ask people, you know, what's good here? And, and here's what Chad says to me. Chad says, well, I really like the wedge salad. <laughs> to which I'm thinking, say something relevant, brother. I don't care if you like a, I mean, that's like telling me that, you know, you prefer the Kentucky Wildcats to one of God's favorite basketball teams. I mean, you can say whatever, but tell me something that matters. And he thinks it will make it better. He's almost feeling a little apologetic. You've seen him do this. He's almost feeling a little apologetic, and he goes, he goes well, uh, you know, I, I put grilled, I get grilled chicken, and I put that on there. No, you just went to smoke and ordered a wedge salad. At this moment, the appropriate response is repentance, not excuse making. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, no wonder he looks so healthy. Because I know the real reason. I mean, he's just being humble about this. He's saying that this is, you know, that, you know, I'm here this week because he's on study break. The truth of the matter is, I mean, we all know he's got to be in Tokyo next week for the Olympics, as bronzed and chiseled athlete that he is. So, you know, he just looks so healthy. And it's great for him, but I'm just sort of, he's not saying a word. He's just being Chad. He's just being healthy. And I'm feeling the condemnation, even though he's not expressing it. Because he's pondering his wedge salad, and I'm thinking about the four basic food groups. Beef, chicken, pork, and more beef. You understand what I'm saying here? Yes, you do. And that's the thing, you know. Sometimes, the healthiest decision can just be the hardest decision. Especially Chad's in his you know, wedge salad. And I'm looking at this, you know, something I'd never order, some $95 platter, you know, that you know, would take all of us together to eat. And that's all I can think about because I'm surrounded by the smell of smoke. And all these happy meat-eating people, no one with a wedge salad smiling, When you look around you, and the aroma smells so good, you all, you all know I'm just having fun, don't you? But the truth of the matter is, gosh, you know, we just live in a world where the aroma of stuff that's bad for you, it's just everywhere. And even in a health-conscious world, and we are increasingly becoming so. Gosh, it can just be so hard 
to make the choices that lead to health and to wholeness. And so while I'm the certain, you know, I mean, I have looked in the mirror. I recognize that I look like I'm about, you know, two hamburgers from a healthy body mass index. I know that. Some of you may be thinking, you know, you're about the last person I want to hear talk about getting rid of weight that your frame was never intended to carry. I've got to confess to you. I, I need this message. I have five degrees in God stuff. But just because you know stuff doesn't mean that you're exempted from needing it. And I want you to know, I, I, I tell my students, I'm a preaching professor. I tell my students, anytime you get up to preach, you ought to be a first responder. And I want you to know, I didn't sleep very well last night. And it's not at the fault of the hotel where I stayed. And it's not because of my choices at smoke, either. It's because I spent some time last night reflecting afresh on the truth of this text and my need to surrender to it once again. I mean, sometimes you see the truth of the Bible when you crash up against it. <laughs> and, uh, and I love this text, even though it forces me to confront and acknowledge truths that I'd rather avoid. And the guy I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, King David, the human author of this morning sermon text is a person who discovered that as well. Psalm 32 is a psalm about losing spiritual weight. But the story of Psalm 32 really begins with Psalm 51. And the story of Psalm 51 really begins with events that are described in the biblical books of 1 and 2 Samuel. David is the human that we know best from the pages of Scripture, in part because the Psalms, which we are studying, and yes, I had a Walkman, in 1987, may it live forever in our hearts. This mixtape series, I mean, we're really revisiting songs that the people of God have been singing in worship. going back millennia now. 
I mean, these songs were being sung by God's people for hundreds of years before Christmas ever Christmased. And the people of God together have been wrestling with the truths in this text for as long as there have been people and a people of God. And so what unfolds in this text is King David, a man granted an incredible privilege by God, a remarkable stewardship to lead God's people. He misused his power. And he used it in selfish ways that directly impacted individuals and indeed the entire nation of Israel. I won't go into the details this morning of how he misused his power, but David was breaking the Ten Commandments as if he was running out of time to do so. David took another man's wife. David murdered that man in a cover-up. And he lied about it not only once, but ongoingly, deceiving himself and others. And in Psalm 51, when David comes to his senses. God raised up a, a righteous prophet by the, man of Nathan, by the name of Nathan who confronted him and David is brought to his senses. And in Psalm 51, David writes words like these words. You may have sung them if you were around in 1999. Do you remember words that go something like this? We used to sing them in church. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Please, 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 Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't remove your presence and your power from my life. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. After that expression of repentance, here's what David says in Psalm 51, verse 13. Lord, if you will do this, then I will teach transgressors the error of their ways. This psalm is how David fulfilled his pledge to God. In Psalm 51, verse 13. Because the psalm actually has a heading over it. It says the psalm is a maskil, M-A-S-K-I-L, is how that comes over into English. And it is a word, I believe, that communicates psalms that contained an especially uh, important teaching function. You understand, all songs teach. So as you worship, it is not just a a moment in which we are responding to God. It is a moment in which we are being taught and shaped. And the psalm 
is a lesson in song that is part autobiography, part testimony, teaching us about the importance of letting God remove weight from us that we're never intended to carry. That sounds good, doesn't it? You ever meet somebody who loses a lot of physical weight? Man, those people like smile and stuff. You look at the before and after picture, sure. I mean, you know, the cynical among us can see some of that as a marketing ploy, right? You know, before picture, dark room. After picture. Before picture. After picture. Who among us doesn't want to live in the land of perpetual smiling? And the truth of the matter is, God wants all of us to live in the after, hereafter, forever after. So let's talk about what it takes to remove spiritual weight. Anybody interested in laying down a burden this morning? That's my question for you. Anyone who is interested in carrying only the weight that your frame was intended to carry, not physically, spiritually? If so, let's take a look at this text. David begins in in, in the first two verses of this text with these words. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Now let's stop right there. You see that in in First Church Green? Everybody see that? Here's why that word is highlighted in First Church Green. The Hebrew word for forgiven, that's like a church word, right? Everybody knows the word forgiven. That's one of them real churchy words. The word forgiven in the Hebrew text has embedded within it the very idea of the removal of weight. One of the primary words for sin in the Old Testament directly describes sin as a burden. And this most familiar of words describing the redemptive work of God has within it the idea of the removal of a heavy weight. So, David writes, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. That just sounds like Bible stuff, doesn't it? It's because it is, not only here in Psalm 32, but also in Romans chapter 4. You ever read the New Testament letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans? If not, you ought to read it sometime, because it's good stuff. Paul had a good day when he wrote the book of Romans. The Spirit has worked through that book in a remarkable way to shape the people of God. Paul quotes these verses in Romans chapter 4 to remind us of something we all know, perhaps, but all need to remember. And that is the removal of the weight doesn't happen on our own. As Paul will say in Romans 4, Jesus is the way we experience 
the removal of weight, anything that happens to remove unintended spiritual weight only comes in partnership with Jesus. But in this psalm, what David is doing is he is describing a truth that he, that he knew to be true in his mind and yet didn't know to be true in that moment in his experience. And yet, if you're going to lose weight, what's the first thing you have to do? you got to know the way. And David did. David knew the way. He announced the way. And this morning, if you have never made the decision to surrender the throne room of your life to that of the Lord Jesus, I, I can't continue with this sermon without reminding all of us in this room and beyond this room that the only way to experience the life we want for ourselves, not to mention what God knows to be best for us, the only way to live free of the weight is to surrender to Jesus. So if you're going to lose weight, you've got to know the way. But it's not enough to know the way. You also have to go the way. Now, that's not great English, but it is pretty good theology. Because our faith isn't simply a matter of acknowledging the truth of certain ideas, certain as we are about them. It is a matter of actually living in active response to what we amen. So David begins by saying things that are true. Boy, it's a really, it's a wonderful thing. Congratulations to the person whose sin is not counted against him or her. Boy, blessed is that person. Boy, that's true. But just because you declare it doesn't mean you're experiencing it. So look at how David continues his story in verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, he says, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. When I kept silent... All I felt was burden and weight. And I want you to notice this, because this is also highlighted in First Church Green. You might think that the weight just comes from David's conscience, or that the weight just comes from David's decisions. But notice what verse 4 says. It says, for day and night, your hand, he's speaking to God. He's not speaking to another person. He's speaking to God. For day and night, your hand, O God, was heavy 
upon me. He even goes on to say, and my strength as a result was sapped as in the heat of summer. Man, you and me, I've, you know, I've lived a lot of times nestled up against Oklahoma, and we're right here in it right now. You all know a thing or two, don't you, about being sapped by summer heat? You ever go to Israel in the summer? It's real hot there too. And that, that just that idea of man, you know, I, there, it's, it's like all my energy has just been extracted from me, like someone surgically removed every energy unit, we call them calories, but I'll call them energy units. Every energy unit from my body's just been sapped. There's a kind of tired that no nap will fix. There's a kind of tired that no air conditioning can condition. And David was experiencing it not just because of the weight of his sin, but because God himself seemed to be putting weight on the weight. But wait, that doesn't seem fair, does it? I mean, we just sang this morning about the goodness of God, how we live in the goodness of God, how we testify to the goodness of God, we celebrate the goodness of God. And when you read this verse, especially the part a moment ago that was highlighted in First Church Green, it might seem as if this psalm contradicts everything we were just singing. But as every parent eventually discovers... When your child is weighed down, sometimes what they need more than anything is to be immediately built back up. But a skillful, wise parent knows that sometimes when a child is down, the worst thing you can do is remove the consequences too soon. Man, as a kid, I hated that. Because I once got grounded something like 17 consecutive weeks, never more than one week at a time. Man, as a kid, I hated that. And you know what? As a child of God, sometimes I'm not real excited about it either. Oh, Lord, you know, you're a good father. You know me. You love me. You are gracious toward me. I've celebrated your patience in song sitting right down there this morning. With tears in my eyes, I have celebrated your patience. And I so want that to turn into an immediate removal of the weight. 
But God is just more God than I am. And God is always a good father. The one in whom and by whom all fatherhood is defined. And because he is, as an expression of, our, of his grace for our good, he allows us to experience the weight of unconfessed sin so we will feel the weight enough to long to be free of it. That's the point of this message. God wants us to be honest about our sin, not because he is trying to be harsh, but because he is expressing his goodness and his grace. Notice what David sees and discovers in verse 5 of this passage. Then he says, having felt the heavy hand of God, David says, then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. And therefore, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Did you see that? It's the same word for the removal of weight. As soon as David confesses, God removes the weight, both the experience of what David has imposed upon himself and even the gracious but heavy hand of God upon him. And as soon as David confesses, God forgives. When you experience the freedom that comes from living light on your feet, you just almost can't help but tell someone else, can you? You ever notice, you know, folks that go through a dramatic weight loss or experience a kind of a health revival? Gosh, they just get so evangelistic about it. It's like, you know, everyone turns into Marie Osmond all of a sudden and does an infomercial, you know, even if you don't want to hear it, because there's something about being healthy that's just incredibly, wonderfully addictive, and you want the whole world to have it. See, I'm tired of people talking about sin as the only thing that's addictive. Of course bad stuff is addictive. But you know what? Good stuff is too. You know, once you start eating healthy, I mean, you just want more healthy stuff. Once you start walking a little, the Fitbit reminders seem not to be quite so oppressive. Notice I said quite so oppressive. As long Once you start getting healthy, man, you just want more healthy And you want everyone around you to be healthy. And in some ways, even if it's a little irritating to folks, it's like once you experience what it means to live light on your feet, you're just not comfortable letting everybody else wallow around. And that's exactly what happens in this text. Notice verses 6 through 8. David, who knows the way and goes the way, now shows the way. In verses 6 through 8, Therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. Surround me with songs of deliverance. Do you see what is happening here? David, living down to the original sin of Adam and Eve, sinned against God and his effort to deal with the weight was avoidance. 
He wasn't honest with himself, and he tried to hide from God, just like Adam and Eve did. And in this text, David moves from a position of hiding from God to a posture of hiding in God. Don't you see, when we feel within ourselves a recognition that we have made a mess of things, the temptation is to do everything but turn to God. We can distract ourselves, we can busy ourselves to the point where we can even fool ourselves. And in our moments of best and most honesty, we can still think that we can hide somehow from God. I've got news for us, folks. Sometimes it's hard for me to remember this. God knows stuff, like lots of stuff, like everything about me, things I don't even know about me. Things that are too complicated for me to understand about me. Things that I know and don't want to admit about me. He knows me far better than I know me. And so the idea that I can somehow hide what little I know of me from the one who created me is self-destructive. Instead, the person who is honest with God can experience the liberation that moves from hiding from the one that you're always going to lose, playing hide-and-seek against, to finding refuge in the only one who can actually save you. Boy, this text has good news in it. And my encouragement to all of us this morning is to be honest with God. All relationship, even relationship with God, starts with honesty. And that means confession isn't a burden imposed by God. It is an expression of grace extended by God. And that's why the psalm ends in verse 11 with an explosion of praise. It's easy to miss this in the text. Rejoice in the Lord, David says. Be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Man, what a weird place to call everyone to praise. That's the most natural thing in the world. Because once you're freed of weight that you were never intended to carry, man, nobody dances quite like, you know, ballerinas just don't carry extra weight. The people who are most free to move for God in mission, the people that are most free to celebrate before God in praise, the people who are most liberated to live out everything that embodies who we are as the people of God are people who are living light. And if you want to be light, 
to a lost world, you got to live light. And if you want to live light, it starts with being honest before God about the parts we need to be set free from. Now the truth is, there's a lot I've left unsaid this morning because the text itself leaves it unsaid. And I recognize this morning that there's a chance that this message from Psalm 32 has created for you more questions than answers. The psalm, and really this message, is designed to remind us that confession is a gift from God and a sign of his grace. But this morning, if you are wrestling with the fact that you are carrying weight, not physical weight, but weight within you, and you desperately want to be free of it, and you're just not sure how to move forward, I, I want to ask you, I, I want to plead with you. Please, do not leave here without a clear sense of how to move forward. There are leaders in this church who are here right now in our midst. If you're watching online this morning, there are people who are both equipped and available to help you take the next step forward so you can start moving toward getting rid of that weight. And don't let anyone or anything convince you that walking out the door today shuts the door on your opportunity to be free of that weight. If you can't bring yourself to move your fingers on a keyboard today, do it tomorrow. If you can't do it tomorrow, do it the next day. None of us around here, nor your creator, want you to live a minute longer than you have to with weight you need to be free of. But as many of us have discovered in the physical realm, it all starts with the want to. And if you're not there yet, understand that God is more patient with you than you are with you. And take the step that you can today. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, all of us, in our own experience, understand the truths that David testifies to in the psalm. That we live in a world full of people who convince us that we are okay, that we're normal, that we're new normal, that we're something. A world in which many, many people would affirm what is not best for us. I pray that you will help me and that you will help us 
to really take time and create space to deeply reflect, to truly be honest about ourselves and with ourselves. That after that, you will help us to be honest with you. That after we've been honest with you, you'll help us to be honest with one another. And we desire this not only for our own sakes, but because we want you to be more fully and more perfectly worshipped. We aren't in this only to improve ourselves. We're in this to honor you. And even as the psalm ends, we pray that our praise will be ever-present, not only in these moments, but we look forward to the day when as a fully liberated people with new bodies, fully transformed, forever free of the weight, we'll finally be able to offer you a perfect hallelujah. We look forward to that day, and we pray you'll help us to live faithfully this day. In Jesus' name, we pray.